It is really awesome to be here. Uh, yeah, Andrea, my wife, uh, she was able to go to a women's retreat just up in Cedar Springs, and she sent us back some beautiful pictures from there for sure. Um, and we thought, hey, we'll just stop by, me and the girls would stop by and just visit this morning. Well, there were other plans made, so <laughs> here, here I am. <laughs> Uh, it was great this morning to be able to hear from uh, John and Suzanne Wright. Uh, they were very influential for Andrea and I as we were getting started, and uh, it was just a real blessing there. But also, um, as we get past some of this early on, we'll get into the Word here in a moment, some of what he shared this morning just leads right into to what God put on my heart to share. So this is our family. Uh, Dave Foster, my wife Andrea, our daughters Karen and Sarah. Uh, I went to Bible college at Western Baptist Bible College for a year and a half. Didn't end up with a degree, but here we are. We now have two minors in missions, right? <laughs> so God works things out his own way. <laughs> so as you can see here, um, our goal is to move to Thailand to do ministry. But you know, you're having a missions conference right now, and the focus is missions, but not just global. Missions is as soon as we walk out this door. And missions this morning might even be right in this building. Missions is everywhere we go, and that's what we'll be talking about here in a little bit. But that was, I'm going to share this really quick. That was really important for God to speak to Andrea and I in calling us to missions. He did so through our daughter, Karen, who started telling people when she was six years old, when I grow up, I want to be a missionary because telling people about Jesus is the most important thing. It, it breaks my heart most of the time to share this with pride. Um, but that's how God spoke to our hearts, is by trying to encourage her with that. So we went on a couple trips to Thailand uh, with our church, to Thailand and Cambodia. So where are we going? Here we are. So Wong Don Din, that's where that little star is on the map. Northeast Thailand, it's called the Isan region. There's about 18 million people in that eastern bubble of Thailand. And according to joshuaproject.com, there's only two missionary families in that area. Praise God, there's movement being made in that. There's uh, Philippine missionaries that have been coming over and working with other missionaries in that region. Uh, we have people even within ABWE that are starting to move up into that area. Um, but we know because of Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In seeing the needs and ministry in Sawang Don Den, it's hard for us to ignore that God seems to be preparing that place for our ministry before we get there and preparing us also. So why Thailand? God has called us to full-time missions ministry. Uh, God opened our eyes to the need in Thailand. At Southeast Asia, they say 95% will never meet a Christian. Try to process that. 
95% of the people will never meet a Christian. This is in a very Buddhist area down there. Um, they mix the Buddhism with spiritism and animism and they'll put any God on a pile. Um, yet 95% will never meet a Christian. Well, our goal is to make a dent in that. Um, I shared Ephesians 2.10. Um, and then God continues to open doors in ministry. We are seeing so many open doors in ministry. It's like we wish we could clone ourselves and kind of split off in different directions. Um, but we're constantly asking God for, for more direction as to where we should be going and, and what we should be doing. So our plans, what will we do there? But also that leads to what are we doing now? Well, here is the list of what we wanted to be doing there, but it really resembles what we've already been doing in ministry now in pre-field, raising support before we go to Thailand. Evangelism and discipleship, youth outreach, English language outreach, men's and women's fellowship groups, training leaders, and planning churches. Now, that, the planning churches is the magic term that most churches want to hear for missionaries. We'll support missionaries, but we want people who are planning churches. Well, it's easy to say planning churches, but when you look at that area of Northeast Thailand, that 18 million people, less than 100 people in that region call themselves Christians. So where does planting churches start? It starts at the top of that list and it works its way down. So we will be planting churches there, but it's the long game. Um, it doesn't happen just like that. So when are we going? Our full-time missions ministry is now. All of those things on that list, we are doing now in ministry. And we praise God for all of those opportunities, even to the point that we are working with some strategic partners in Cambodia and Thailand even now, to plant new churches. Um, our move to Thailand requires 100% monthly support. It's about $6,800 a month. Um, we are currently at 60% of our support, and uh, God will provide our needs when he wants us to move to Thailand. We know that, and I could share so many stories about that, but we know that we will have 100% when God wants us to be in Thailand. Until then, that means we know we're exactly where God wants us right now. Amen? Really quickly, our goals for 2021, last year, uh, complete our core pre-field missionary training, get a better understanding of Thai culture, continue studies in church planting, uh, begin to develop strategy, uh, excuse me, strategic ministry partnerships. That has been a really big thing also, connecting with Thai and Asian churches in the U.S. And our goal last year was for me to preach the gospel, not just share ministry reports, but preach the gospel in 20 different churches. Praise God we were able to accomplish all of those goals and were able to preach the gospel in 22 different churches, including one in Cambodia online uh, during COVID and uh, one in Slovakia even. Our goals for this next year, we continue to ask God what he, what he wants us to do next, what we need to do next. 
our goal is to pursue more ministry opportunities while we, were, we are here in the States uh, and raising support. Uh, pursue further training in how to reach Buddhists specifically with the gospel. Um, that is a big challenge, especially there in Southeast Asia. Continue to develop strategic ministry partnerships and preach the gospel in five different countries is our goal this year. And maybe some of those will be via online, but hey, this is the U.S., so there's one country down, right? <laughs> I love to share this picture. Uh, this is a picture of a temple, the White Temple, as you can see. It's up by Chiang Rai, very far north in Thailand. Beautiful, beautiful temple from a distance. As you get closer and get inside, the beauty changes. An artist took this temple, which was run down, and painted everything white and put sculptures all around the outside and then on the inside, beautiful colors. Well, we're not supposed to take pictures of the inside and even that color picture isn't of the inside. Um, but the outside is, is really the tell-all. In the upper right corner, and it's easier to see in our book on our table that we have here, but in the upper right corner is a picture of a sea of hands and arms reaching up from the ground that surrounds this temple. And the artist says it's his depiction of the dead trying to grasp a hold of the living for a little while longer. This is a perfect picture of the darkness, the spiritual darkness in Thailand. 95% will never meet a Christian. We already addressed that. There was a church up in Chiang Rai. Um, there was a church that had an event as they were building a new building. The event drew 3,000 people, which was unheard of for something in that community. The church is doing well up there, but I share this because this statue was built shortly after the church by the Buddhists, and it looks right over top of the church. The church is just like two blocks away, and this thing is like eight stories tall, if not taller. Um, but just another symbol of the oppressive nature of Buddhism in the country of Thailand. We have been uh, able to do ministry and continue to do ministry, even online, with um, a village in Wei Pukang, which is way up in the northwest. And um, here's the church there. Our, our home church is Richland First Baptist Church of Richland, Washington. And uh, we went on two short-term missions trips with them. Our church was instrumental in helping this church get started and uh, we praise God for this little tiny village where refugees from Myanmar, from Burma, have been coming over and they can't live like normal citizens in Thailand. They're still refugees, but they're allowed to have this little village and uh, they have this church that we've been able to do ministry with them there. Short distance away from Wei Pukang is Mehong Sun, and we've also been able to do ministry with um, Pastor Doan and his wife Mink, and um, their, their son down in the middle is Guitar, 
and their baby girl is piano. Uh, it's very common in Thailand to not only have Thai names, but also English like nicknames. And so guitar and piano are their kids. Uh, back in the back is a friend of, of my daughter Karen's. Her name is Oil and, uh, and her mom back there. So now we're moving more from the west side, still north, but the west side of Thailand to the east side. Um, now we're way up in the mountains, a mountain village called Ban Me Te Miao. And in that little window is, uh, is Bia. You'll see a picture of her, of her in just a moment. But this is a very remote village. This is hard living. And we met Bia when we were doing ministry in those other two places I showed you a moment ago. What a wonderful woman, a God-fearing woman who just has joy on her face all the time and, um, and in her heart. But she wanted us to come visit on our last trip there, our third trip to Thailand. And so we agreed and we weren't sure, okay, what's the electricity situation, plumbing, you know, those things. We'll stay for one meal, we told her. And uh, she was excited that we were gonna do that we made it up there, <clears throat> excuse me, and she, the night before, went out and bamboo spear hunted a wild boar and cooked it five different ways for us. So here we are sitting down for a feast. Uh, you know, very simple. There's few things on the wall. There's, there's not furniture in those houses. The houses are just shelter um, from the elements. But there's Bia on the left and uh, Pastor Doan on the right and then a gal named Jemima who's a Filipina woman uh, who's doing ministry there in Mehong Sun, which we saw, saw earlier. So I'm moving across. This is the west side where we have a lot of experience. Uh, but on our last trip, we were able to survey the area we want to go to in the northeast part that we believe God has been directing us to. God called us to Sawang Dandin before we'd ever been there because of Ephesians 2.10, we believe. But here we are, just wanted to share, we've made friends in Thailand. There's oil with, Karen, with our daughter Karen. And we made some other friends along the way. So here we are now in Sawang Dandin, and our first picture, it says, okay, we went from tiny villages to big city. Down in the bottom left, a picture of, the, of part of uh, one of their night farmer's markets. So this picture right here is two blocks away from the previous picture. So two blocks away from this is that. <laughs> There's a highway that goes through. And so there's a lot of businesses and buildings on the highway, but as soon as you get off the main road, this is what we got. There's about 10,000 people in Sawang Don Din. Uh, getting through roads can be difficult, um, pedestrians or other. And about, um, about seven to 10 blocks away from the main street, the main highway, is Sawang Dandin Baptist Church. Now this is both the church and current home for missionaries Don and Gail Craft. 
who are retired but still active here. Um, and I was able to, to speak on our last trip. We made this trip right before COVID back in 2019. And Karen was able to make some friends and get together and have a jam session, right? <laughs> Uh, they have an, outside of the main building, they do have a classroom and they teach English to kids in the community. They love coming in to learn English. It's really important for the kids, but also the, the parents. Now here we are uh, able to sit down. It was actually in August that we were there, but we had a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, we said hello to a turkey in the morning and said thank you to the turkey as we ate it that night. It was the scrawniest, thinnest turkey we've ever had, but it was the most delicious. Uh, it was really, really good. Uh, Don and Gail Kraft were there in the center, and uh, we are praying for them. They're, they're really struggling right now, uh, especially with Don's health. And uh, we're just praying for them as they continue to do ministry there, even past retirement. Um, I wanted to share a little bit about Andre. Um, how many here know of the AMAX? Uh, okay, I see some nods. Uh, Trevor AMAC, well, actually, we'll get to Trevor in a moment. We met Andre on our very first trip. We were teaching at an English camp, and we were asked by our team to bring a gift for our teacher's assistant, whoever that might be, a very small gift. So we went to the dollar store, and on my way out, after already picking out some things, I saw an English Bible, uh, King James Version English Bible, for a buck. And I'm like, I gotta pick up a couple of these. Our leader said, oh, that's not really gonna help them. They're, they're not gonna want that. At the very last minute, Andre got put in our class. And when he got put in our class, at the last minute, we didn't know this, but at the end of the week, when we gave him the gifts, including an English Bible, he'd been praying one year for an English Bible. We saw such a heart for the Cambodian people from him that we had been constantly praying for God to encourage and strengthen him and give him opportunities that we couldn't even help with from the United States. Well, God's been doing an incredible work in him. He has started a Christian school in Poipet. Um, before he was 20, he started a Christian school in Poipet. By the time he was 22, he helped start two churches in Poipet. And now at, I believe he's 26, we've now teamed him up with Trevor Amack, who's been uh, mentoring him and taking him under his wing. Um, Andre will be going to seminary as soon as he graduates the, the local college, community college, but he's already got his sights set on the opposite side of the country where there are no churches in Cambodia, and he wants to plant a church there within the next year. Um, so I love this picture of Andre. That's his love for his people. That is his love for God. It's that big, and uh, he will always be a part of our ministry even in Thailand, we'll, we'll continue to be working with him. So our ministry as a whole, it's not always been easy. I'll let you process a little bit of that there. It has not always been easy. Uh, 
but you know, we've always been in it together. And we've had a lot of good times uh, as a family together with not just us, but with God as a center. For the purpose of the Great Commission, Jesus didn't die so you can have religion. He died so you can have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. So that's what we're doing in Thailand. But you know, while I don't mind giving ministry reports, I feel like it fails in one area. The best way to show you what we're doing in ministry is to actually do ministry. So we're going to dig into the word this morning. The lasting message. The lasting message, the definition of this, and this comes, I'll, I'll touch on this in a moment, but it, I got this from Hollywood when I worked in Hollywood in movies and film. Whether in a book, movie, speech, or almost any art form, it's the idea or thought that you were left with at the conclusion. As you walk out of a theater, what's in your mind? It's that lasting message. As you close the book, same thing. That's the idea of the lasting message. So I was born and raised in Richland, spent so much time up here in the Northwest, including up in this neck of the woods, uh, not living up here, but just visiting up here a lot. But in 95 and 96, I moved down to California and worked in the entertainment industry for an art company. And we did art for science fiction, Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, uh, you, you name it, we did art for sci-fi and fantasy stuff. Uh, it was my job on the weekends as a single guy to be traveling all over the country and all over the world even to conventions on the weekends. Um, yes, at the time for a single guy, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, going to all these conventions, meeting with actors and celebrities, When, along that line, that's when I met Andrea. And, and that's a very fun story I'd love to share, but this isn't the time for it. But through all this, I share this, um, partially because getting to the, the lasting message, I actually got to a point where I was able to pitch a new series for Star Trek. And that's where this concept was just prevalent and hammered in all the time. There's a time in my life where all people knew me for is that's the sci-fi guy, that's the Star Trek guy. And I regret that point in my life. And I'll come back around to that as well. But Andrea and I, uh, both enjoying science fiction, we really enjoy stories about time travel. They provide the ability to change and potentially improve the present with information from the past or even the future. We are all obsessed with the future. Whether you think so or not, we are all obsessed with the future. What do you want to be when you grow up? Who will you marry? How many kids will you have? When will you retire? How long will you live? On a more somber note, we worry about the future. What will happen next with COVID? How many vaccines do I need? For you guys, will murder hornets and gypsy moths be back this year? <laughs> what is gonna happen with the war in Ukraine? 
How bad will inflation get? How high will gas prices go? Who will our next government leaders be? We constantly worry about the future. Our world seems to be in chaos. We want to know what's next. What does the future hold? And we're hoping for good news. I, we'll get there. We'll get there. But right now I want to do some time travel this morning. Yes, we're doing time travel in the sermon. Uh, we're going to do some time travel this morning and use information from the past and future to change and improve our present. First, we're going to transport ourselves to around 33 AD, sometime before the Last Supper. The disciples wanted to know the same thing. What does the future hold and when will Jesus return? They knew he was going to go away and that he would return. They're asking when you will return and what are the signs that you will return? So we're going to go to Matthew 24, 3 through 8. And I'm reading through an ESV version this morning. So Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 8. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and they will lead many astray and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place before the end. This must take place, but the end is not yet. Continuing on in verse 7. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Sorry, I'm a little behind there. So what is the lasting message? In, Matthew's chap in Matthew chapters 24 and 25, Jesus tells his disciples about the end times and the destruction of the temple. What happens next? In chapters 26 and 27, Jesus is betrayed by Judas, denied by Peter, put to death, buried. Guards have secured the tomb. What's the lasting message? At this point, the lasting message that Jesus has left us with is of doom and gloom and death. Imagine if you're one of the disciples. From their perspective, the story has ended. The book is closed. How do you process that? They were devastated. But that is not the end of the story. There's a twist to this story. Here's the twist. We're going to go on to Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, in, starting in verse 1, sorry. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. 
And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. I get a kick out of this, that the guards, assuming men, the guards became trembled, the guards were trembled, trembled, and became like dead men. But the angel spoke to the women and said, don't be afraid. He didn't say anything to the guards. <laughs> we'll leave them looking like dead men. But he focuses on the women, do not be afraid. Continuing on in verse six, he is not here for he has risen, as he said. Come, imagine this, picture this, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. So he had said, come see the place where he lay. The next thing he says to them is, see, I have told you, he is not here. He is risen. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Continuing on in verse 9. Sorry, I'm behind a little bit there. Continuing on in verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. Jesus is alive. Amen? What a twist. I, I hope most of you saw that coming. <laughs> You've heard this before. But the lasting message is forever changed. He still has yet to give us that lasting message. We thought, the disciples thought, doom and gloom and death. They were confused by this. But now they know it's not the end of this story. This is not the lasting message. There's more. And they're excited, obviously, that Jesus is alive. So now what is the lasting message? We continue farther down in Matthew 28 still, verses 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I want to also share in Acts chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. He said to them, this is the same, same time frame. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I want to revisit that here in a moment, that power that we'll receive when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Continuing on, verse 9. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The lasting message, oh, getting ahead of myself. The lasting message that Jesus leaves us with is of salvation, of reconciliation that we are commissioned to share with the world. That's the lasting message. How can it be good news if we don't tell anybody about it? I love this one. What a friend we have in Jesus, right up here on the wall. What a friend we have in Jesus. Have you ever had like a best friend and then met somebody else that you also considered a really good friend? Don't you tell them about your best friend? Don't you introduce them to your best friend? I love that, but it's, it's a great reminder to me. So now what are we supposed to do? Don't just stand there. You see in there, as Jesus ascends into heaven, they're just standing there. He had to send two men back to say, hey, he told you to go and you're just standing there looking up. Now it's time to go. <laughs> go spread the good news. And there in Acts, it shows we're we are given power and called to be missionaries. What is that power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, well, we can go back to the story of Jesus and the woman at the well where he was talking about the living water. And if she drank of the living water, if she took in the living water, it would be like a spring of living water welling up within that others might have eternal life. And then what happens? She goes back into town and tells people, and that spring of living water within, because of the work of the Holy Spirit within her, caused all of them to believe. And then they come out and meet Jesus and say, first we believed because of her, now we believe because we've actually seen and talked to you. But this is the power that is referred to here. I've asked many, many Christians, if you had one word to describe God, only one word to describe God, what word would that be? The most common answer is love. There's a lot of good ones, but the most common answer is love. I've asked a lot of unsaved people, if you had one word to describe a Christian, what word would you use? I have yet to hear the word love. Are we really sharing God with the world? Are we really sharing the gospel, the good news? 
they will know we are Christians by our love. We need to love more as Christians and love sinners more because they're sinners saved by grace if only they hear and accept Jesus. On a personal note, I spent years of my life early on thinking, how could God possibly use me? I felt inadequate and unqualified to be used of God. Well, here in the same passages in Matthew, Jesus restores Peter, who had denied him three times. He restores Peter and tells him to feed and tend his sheep. This is an example for those of us that feel inadequate and insecure. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to share with others. We're supposed to go. If you feel inadequate to do God's work, know that Jesus offers restoration, reconciliation to all of us. And he has asked us to go and share the good news to the ends of the earth. I'm not saying everybody here is supposed to go to Thailand, though you're welcome to go with us. <laughs> but when we go outside, we're supposed to share the, share the gospel, share the good news. Matthew 24, 14 says the gospel will be proclaimed throughout the whole world and then the end will come. How many here, like me, have prayed for God to come back soon? God, come back soon. Many of us have prayed that prayer. William Carey, who's considered to be the father of modern missions, he lived in the 17 and 1800s. Um, he once said, if you want to see God's kingdom speeded, go out and speed it yourself. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. But then he continued on and made it even a little bit more of kind of a knife in the side. He says, only obedience rationalizes prayer. What are we asking God for? Are we obedient? If we want to see friends and loved ones saved, what are we doing about it? Are we being obedient? There are currently 7,407, apparently, unreached people groups in the world. Again, the end's not going to come until the gospel has been proclaimed through the whole world. You may ask, what difference can I make in 7,407 unreached people groups? Andrea and I have been told about this area in Northeast Thailand that is largely unreached with the gospel, where it is said that 95% or more of the people will never hear about Jesus. Right now, we are raising our monthly support. We are at 60% and need to be at 100% before we go. We want to know the future. We want to know when will we reach 100%. When can we get to Thailand? When will these people in Thailand get to hear the gospel? 
this is where we get a chance to do a little bit more time traveling, but we're going to time travel to the future. Here we're going to go to Revelation chapter 7. So God told John, what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. So John saw the future, whether by vision or physical presence. And that is where the book of Revelation comes from in the Bible. So here we are, the future revealed. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Is that good news? Amen? Andrea and I know the future. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be represented and present before the throne. Gospel means good news. Again, how can it be good news unless it is proclaimed? Let's spread the good news. The lasting message, the lasting message is to go and share the good news, which isn't just the Gospels. Every, every word of Scripture is good news to those who have put their faith and trust in God. Some of it is difficult, but it's all good news if we put our faith and trust in God. How can we share who God is unless we demonstrate his love, his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness? You know, there's even more, there's a little bit more to the gospel than the words in scripture. And I'm not trying to add to the Bible. I'm just saying, if you're sharing the good news with somebody, there's one more important part. It's your testimony. What God has done for you. What better way to introduce someone to Jesus than by sharing your story of what he did for you? So here's my testimony. Came from a Catholic family that never went to church because the church just did some things that weren't very nice to people. So my parents were very anti-church. But that changed in 1974. They started going to First Baptist Church of Richland. I was four years old. Please don't do math. <laughs> I was four years old. Uh, when we started going. When I was six years old, there was a vacation Bible school program. And some may be familiar with the name, but Paul Everett 
was the speaker at Vacation Bible School. Paul Everett was a ventriloquist, and he brought his, brought his dummy, Wally. Well, I love to share this story because even that dummy could explain to me my need for a savior at six years old. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I knew I was a sinner. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now I know what the penalty for sin is, but I also know that there's a gift. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves us. I got that at six years old. Thank you, Lord. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Romans road. I was saved when I was six. There. VBS club. It took some time before I really got it through my head, though, that God is not some backpack that I should put on and take with him wherever I choose to go. I am asked to pick up my cross daily and follow him. It is he who makes my paths straight. I was thinking through this the other day, just this week, and it's like when, when I was a kid, I remember, I mean, Sarah's going through this right now at the age of four, but I remember as a kid wanting to be line leader, you know, how big of a deal that was to be a line leader in school. As a Christian, we don't get to be a line leader anymore. We share the gospel with others and want them to follow us as we follow God letting them go in front of us to follow God in whatever, whatever direction he takes us and them. We don't get to be line leaders anymore. I'm okay with that. My point today, and God's point for all of us, is that we are all missionaries. Are you missionaries doing something or are you missionaries doing nothing? We need to go and spread the good news to share the gospel with others. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for the time this morning in your word. We thank you for the opportunity to hear stories of needs around the world, physical needs, spiritual needs. We know that there's a lot of suffering going on in Ukraine and surrounding areas. But Heavenly Father, we know there's suffering around the world and nobody knows it better than you. And while we 
almost all have physical needs. We also all have spiritual needs. We need you, Lord. But not just us. The world needs you. Help us as we go forth today from this time in your house. Help us to recognize opportunities to meet people where they're at, to help them in physical ways, but also to address their spiritual needs, to share with them the good news that you have commissioned us to go share, that you have given, you have been given authority to send us and commission us to go do this. Let us be obedient. As we go, may that lasting message from this morning be that it's only good news if we go and share it. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in your name, amen.